Welcome to the climb. This is a show dedicated to helping singers like you, songwriters also like you, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. We this podcast exists because we want you to win. We want you to get motivated. We want you to get inspired. We want you to get educated on exactly how you can take control of your own destiny and make it happen and create leverage for yourself as a songwriter and as an artist. And that's why we named it The Climb, Creating Leverage in the Music Business. So uh, with that, the intelligent wordsmith that actually put that together uh, is... Happens to be my co-host, Mr. Brent Baxter. Brent's an award-winning hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady Annabellum, Joe Nichols, and more, uh, along with a few of my artists as well, I'm proud to say, and honored mm-hmm. to say. Um, and Brent, what I love about Brent, too, he helps songwriters turn pro by teaching the art, the craft, and the business of songwriting. And you can find Brent at songwritingpro.com. Once again, easy to find Brent at songwritingpro.com. And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. It's an innovative artist development company. They help you find your sound and they help you find your audience. Two things you might just need in a music career. Right. So not only do they develop and improve your artistry, they also grow and monetize your fan base, creating that all-important cash flow. Daredevil's worked with multi-platinum artists like Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herndon, and Andy Griggs, just to name a few. You can find Johnny at DaredevilProduction.com. That's production, singular, no S, and we all know why. Because, ladies and gentlemen, there's only one Johnny D. <laughs> How you doing, brother? It's like Sunny D, only with vodka in it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> he knows me. <laughs> the world is sunnier with vodka for me. I just this is the this is the life I live. I like that. <laughs> How you doing, man? You all right? Yeah, man, I'm doing well. Anytime I can get you laughing, I'm, I'm enjoying myself. Oh, good, dude. You do it all the time. I'm thankful for that. I'm grateful for you, man. That's fun. Um, well, hey, guys, uh, we got a, a, a lot of stuff to, to, to get to today. We want to remind you, if you like these podcasts, share them. We, we continue to grow. We're well over 40,000 downloads now, which we're grateful for, thankful for. Thank you for listening. Yes, thank you, guys. It means you're sharing. It means that we're... We're talking about something that's personal to you and relevant to you enough that you want to share it with other people. So don't stop doing that. And please take a couple seconds and leave a rating and review. We're going to read it on the air. We'll make it famous, you know, at mm-hmm. least amongst a few thousand Because that's people. how it happens. And if you believe that, you haven't been listening to the podcast. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> so anyway, today we're going to talk about intelligent design and how... A, you know, the limited success that you've had up until now can explode with just a little bit of intelligent design when you add to it. And and we're going to cover a, a, a couple of different things. But one one of the one of the concepts I want you to that I think a lot of artists miss that that I, I find is a big part of our job at Daredevil when we first start working with an artist is helping them find their lane. And that comes with an intelligent design, like a, like an understanding of what's happening in the market. And we have an artist that comes in, I want to be Garth Brooks. And it's like, awesome. Okay, but we've got a Garth Brooks. So, um, mm-hmm. you know. 
He's doing okay. Uh, yeah, he's doing. We already good. got his records. Yeah, he's got that all locked up in that lane. So what are we going to mm-hmm. do for you? And then how much traffic is in that lane? You know, one of the smartest things that ever happened with uh, with Taylor Swift was she cre- freaking created a lane that didn't exist. So there's absolutely zero traffic in it. I'm going to talk to what? nine to fourteen year old kids in country music. Oh yeah, lot of lot of audience. Yeah, but not a lot of people talking to him. No. And 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 uh, and even you know some of the the younger sensational artists in country music when they came out like Tanya Tucker, uh, her first number one she was she recorded at thirteen years old and it was number one at fourteen. Um, and Leanne Rhymes. Leanne Rhymes. I mean, but they were singing adult songs, kind of mm-hmm. right. Then maybe they weren't age and not not say they're age inappropriate, but she wasn't singing to nine to fourteen. They weren't singing to their peers. They were right. singing to, to, to older people. So, so, uh, but it's about this, that was intelligent design. Like that really worked well. So, I got a Brent. I got a I got a I got a mm. test for you. Have you ever heard of okay. Bert, Bert Hinkler? Bert Hinkler. Mm-hmm. No, my first name was almost Bert. Really? My parents came close. Oh, naming me Bert. I'd have been Bert Baxter, You're which is a- almost like Bert Bat Crack. But no. But you're not a Bert, you're Brent. Like a, they, they made the right choice. Uh, I, I, apparently they did. <laughs> well, most people haven't so, heard of Bert Hinkler because... I have not. And Bert Hinkler did something amazing, and he did this amazing feat faster and more efficiently than the first person who did it. So he was way ah. better. He was way better than the first guy. Mm-hmm. Um, hands down. But he was second. <laughs> And that's why you don't yep. know who he is. <laughs> so you know who you do remember? Charles Lindbergh in the Spear ah. St. Louis. And he was the first person to successfully fly a single-engine airplane solo, nonstop, across the Atlantic Ocean. And Bert Hinkler did it second, did it faster time, less fuel. was way better, but we don't know who he is because nope. he was second. Okay? You want to hear something crazy? You weren't aware of the number two person who succeeded in this incredible flight, same fate we're talking about here, mm-hmm. but you, I'll bet you know who the number three person was. Hmm. Amelia Earhart. Oh. And what's didn't the, know her for and, that. <laughs> and what's the twist? She was the third person to fly a single-engine airplane solo nonstop across the Atlantic, mm-hmm. but why do we know her? First female. Boom. Right, mm-hmm. so so how how come you know the first? You haven't heard of the second, but the third is also famous because she was the first woman to do it. That's the answer. This is called the law of leadership. This is what I want to instill upon all of our brains today. Uh, There's an amazing book, and it's called the 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing. I highly recommend you read it. You can get it right now on Amazon, a used copy for 98 cents. So do it. And um, it's going to help you get a 30,000 foot view before you start, you know, cutting down the wrong trees, right? And working Mm -hmm. on the wrong things. It's going to help you focus a little bit more. And by the way, help you do some of the stuff that we do at Daredevil. Like this is what we kind of do is like, let's, instead of focusing on that fire over there, let's go over here where there's, there's a bunch of people and no fire. They need a fire over here. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, uh, so the question that you ask yourself is, uh, you know, am I trying to succeed as an artist by default 
Or are you trying to succeed as an artist by design? Hmm. I'm going to ask that question one more time. Are you trying to succeed as an artist by default? Or are you trying to succeed as an artist by design? I meet most artists and they're trying to succeed by default. And to to your point before, a few episodes before, Brent, it's because you just don't know what to do. Yeah. Right? You get a brand new job, even if it's at McDonald's, you don't know what the heck to do. And they're like, here, here's a manual. I'm going to show you exactly how to make the fries, you know? Yeah. And, and just do this every time. And so, so this is some of that knowledge that I want to instill upon you. But... And to be clear here, my definition of success and succeeding is is this. You know, you make a living at writing, recording, and performing your music. Um, and making a living at all of these or just one and doing what you love to do means no day gig. And uh, whether you're famous or not is just a different degree of success. But the success comes when when you really get to live your life on your own terms and in, in, in and do what you do, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, I think, yeah, you know, too many of you are trying to become successful by default. And there's three kinds of people in this world. There's people who make things happen. There's people who watch what happens. Then there's me. And, <laughs> it will happen. <laughs> and there's people who wonder what happened. That's there right. Go. <laughs> and uh, 33% of the people make things happen because they approach success by design. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they choose to learn so they know what they're doing. And people who win by design make a choice to follow an educated path and they spend their precious time and resources in the most effective places. Um, more education means less naivete. And that means, by the way, that 66% of people are, are the ones who watch what happens and wonder what happened and they live by default. The world happens to them. Mm-hmm. You've got friends like this. Here's why this didn't. Here's why I couldn't do this because it's somebody else's fault. Yeah, you know this didn't happen or that didn't happen. It was not my fault. Somebody else's fault. It's like, well, no, you're you're missing something. It's your fault. You know. <laughs> yeah. And and then and then when you win too, you got to know why you won, right? You got to know mm-hmm. how you succeeded. You got to know how you got that that base hit or whatever. So, um, I mean, you're an artist, for God's sake, right? By definition. You, the artist, are supposed to happen to the world. (laughs) Yep. Think about that. So that's a poor excuse of the world is happening to me. If you're considering yourself an artist and you're making excuses of why everything else is happening to you and you're not happening to the world already, you're saying, I'm not an artist. That's what you're saying to me anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, you know some people like that, I'm sure, Brent. Yeah, but I don't want to talk about it because it might be listening. <laughs> but if you're going to be an artist that happens to the world, and, um, you know, um, I don't believe there are artists where the world's happened to them. And if there is, uh, I don't know about them. So did it happen, right? All right? You must build your career by design. And building and living by design means you cannot watch what happens and you cannot wonder what happened. You must know what's going on. And education is the key. And there's all kinds of education out there. And mm-hmm. most... and and, and and there's different varying degrees of cost on that education, but mm-hmm. um, mostly people just don't spend the time because they yeah. let the world happen to them by default, you know. But you, you make no mistake about it, guys, you're the CEO of your own company. Mm-hmm. And uh, the biggest and the best companies like yours, and here's some other names Apple, Hewlett Packard, Ford, Madonna, Metallica, Billy Joel, Bruce Springsteen, they started out of a garage, just like you are right now. Mm-hmm. but they grew by design 
So when you say to yourself, I suck at business or I suck at marketing, I mean, what do you think I'm going to say right now, Brent? <laughs> You're in the wrong business because <laughs> well, so it, much it, of music <laughs> is marketing yeah. and it's the music business. And I'll say that you're right. You know, and that makes you a sucky CEO. And there's nothing wrong with being a poor CEO of your own little company, but you won't succeed. Sorry, you don't get to say that. You know, you can't you can't be a car maker before and say, well, you know, we just suck at marketing and we suck at business. Or guess what? You're not Ford. You're just not in business. And nobody ever nobody's ever heard of you. You know, you have to become a better business person. You have. But that's all right. You can suck at the beginning of success. Boom. Oh, see? Oh, That's the words. The sticker. words are coming. Oh, there we go. <laughs> but only at the beginning of success. You move past it. That's right. So, you know, whether you like it or not, I mean, whether you believe it or not, you're in charge. And if you suck at some mission critical part of your dream, you got to address it. You got to identify it and you got to address it right now. And the 22 immutable laws of marketing, they say that the CEO isn't in charge of his or her own marketing, is living by default. And to, to, to work by design, you have to be in charge. You have to, be the, you have to work with the outside companies that you hire to ensure that your brand is being conveyed correctly. You know, are you waiting for someone to sign you? You know, you're living by default. You're waiting for the world to happen to you. Are you waiting to meet that one big relationship before you kick it into second gear and really get serious about this career of yours? Again, living by default. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to get it going. You're your only hope. And um, I mean, man, there's a couple artists who just, for whatever reason, got really lucky and everything just sort of happened to them and maybe it happened to them really early and um, a lot of those artists that you have that perception of, I promise you, are, were a lot. Somebody was doing something by design. For yeah, that's, what they, that's what I was thinking. Is like they may not have a design, but somebody around them had a design, and their design for their personal success had to do with getting that artist successful. They there, were part of somebody else's design. Boom! There you go. You know, and and. Um, have y'all, have y'all, if you've seen the movie, uh, what was it, the, uh, uh, that thing you do about the band, the wonders, you know, the Tom oh, Hanks movie. Yeah. 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 Great movie. You know, they were just like, hey, we're just playing shows and our drummer broke his arm and we got another drummer. And then, you know, we had this, we got played on the local radio and then Tom Hanks shows up, you know, and then boom, stuff starts happening. Maybe not quite by their design, but it was sure his. Yep. Yep. You know, they may not have seen it. It just kind of happened. It's just great. We just had fun. We played shows, and no, there was a design there. Yeah, they just weren't really aware of it. And it was well, so. So this yeah, is a good point. So um, let's take let's take the Beatles for instance, right? So mm-hmm. the Beatles. Uh, I'm, were, I'm just more of a Wonders fan myself. I mean, there's that great <laughs> Wonders Beatles divide, and I'm just actually more of a Captain Geach and the Shrimp Shack Shooters kind of guy. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Man. What is That's that? just a deep reference from the movie. It's oh, stupid. Okay. <laughs> That's right. It's been a while since I've seen it. But it's, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, when Epstein, when Brian Epstein came in and started managing the Beatles, man, he did mm-hmm. some big things to them. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, like put them in suits. 
with the black mm-hmm. ties. Had them trim their hair. They all had really long hair, what was considered long hair for that time in the 60s. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, like, oh my gosh, that meant you were like a rock star. But he had yeah. them, they were trimmed. They were nice and neat, no split ends. I mean, he had them looking good. They bowed after every song. Uh, and that he, that was by design by Brian Epstein. And mm-hmm. here's the other thing. The Beals let him do it. Yeah, you know, and so part of the struggle at Daredevil, I'll tell you right now, is finding artists with the kind of weight and the kind of talent and the kind of <clears throat> that, that are on, on the right spot in their journey, where they're sort of ready to pop and go to the next level. Who also will play in the sandbox with me? Let me do what I need to do for them, mm-hmm. and 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 just trust me, you know, because sometimes. Uh, to quote a, a dear friend of mine, Jeff Teague, you know, sometimes uh, you don't need to know how the watch works. You just need to know what freaking time it is. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. So, uh, you know, and that, and that, so they, they're aware like, hey, we need to get in front of more people. Can you help us get in front of more people? Yes, but you have to do what I tell you to do. Okay, we'll do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and then they do it and they play and we win, right? And we get more followers. So was, was did he mess with the music? I don't or did he, was he? I think he stayed out of the way of the music. Um, I, I think it was more of an image management kind of a thing. But that's a mm-hmm. big deal, you know. I mean, yeah, that is a big deal. But it also, he kind of music's good. I'm not going to mess with that. I'm just going to help serve it up in a way that's more right. I mean, there, I think it's a very symbiotic relationship, and it wasn't. Um, you know, a lot of times people get into that sort of position and they become a little too big in their britches, and they start mm-hmm. wanting. To, I mean, really, you're going to freaking tell the Beatles how to write a song? A, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> sure i like that yeah <laughs> the walrus brilliant. thing i don't know about that i don't think that's yeah. ever gonna fly okay but um so uh, this is the difference between saying okay if you know you're weak in an area then either you have to learn or um you got to help you've got to let somebody teach you as well right mm-hmm. and yeah. and whether you go out and get that some you know the for daredevil artists they pay for it right that's how i make mm-hmm. my living i mean they're like johnny Get our, make our audience bigger. Okay, do this, 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 and this, and they pay me enough money when they listen to me. You know, yeah. But it's um, but that's part of it. So, the, you know, it, and there may be one or two artists out there who just freaking got lucky. Like I wrote one song and it turned out to be a mega hit song, and I just so happens that I'm prolific, and I found out, you know, because I stumbled over a rock that I'm a rock star now. But is that really, really? what you're going to make your business model out of, you know, winning the lottery. Right. I, I mean, hope is a terrible strategy. It's, it's a terrible strategy. That's right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, you know, yeah. Ask your landlord about that or your mortgage company. You know, Hey, uh, as soon as I win the lottery, I'm going to get you guys paid off as we one check. But for now, I just need you to hold off, you know? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> They're, they don't live by hope. <laughs> no, they live by intelligent design, you know? So, okay. so, um, uh, let's talk about being first because I think, you know, when we start out as artists, right, we started emulating. We started, that, that's how we, that's how we, that's because we love something so much that, mm-hmm. get, that inspires us to want to be an artist, that we want to be like that. So we pretend to be like that. That's, this is a very natural first step to becoming an artist. Mm-hmm. But then at some point you've got to disconnect and you've got to say, okay, now it's time for me to do my own thing. And we've, we've talked about this in a past episode where it's the work, the more work you do, the more solid you really start to understand these little things that you do that make you different. Mm-hmm. And, and you begin to, 
to forge your artistic fingerprint, right? Right. But in terms of marketing, we can substitute leading for first. If you had to pick like one, the, the, the number one leading institution in this country for, for advanced education, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Like Harvard. Boom. Guess what? Harvard was first institution in this country. Founded in 1636. William and Mary College is the second oldest, and they're slightly more famous than Bert Hinkler. (laughs) 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 Okay, so um, Time Magazine versus Newsweek. Who was first? Time. Yep. Advil versus Newprint. Who was first? Advil. There you go. So, you know, by the way, here's something else that's interesting when we talk about being first in the marketplace, right? It's better to be first than to be better. (laughs) Better to be first than to be better. Um, Would it surprise you, this is a fact, that twins, identical twins, often complain that the first of the two whom a person meets always remains their favorite, even though the person gets to meet the other twin. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Interesting. Right? So you got twin number one, twin number two, mm. and you just happen to meet somebody and they meet twin number one first. They're always going to be, the favorite twin's always going to be twin number one because that's, that's who they met first. And they're identical. That's weird. That's crazy, right? So, so it's better to be first than to be better. The, the, uh, Sony lost a billion dollars on the Betamax tape, which was a far better video recording tape than VHS. Mm-hmm. But uh, Seagram's, who owned Polygram and owned uh, a, a major movie studio, which I believe was Paramount, um, the the big multi-billion-dollar conglomerate of Seagram's, uh, was the first to be in the marketplace with with movie titles because they had access to the titles. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so, guess what? It wasn't a better format. It wasn't better quality, but it became the ubiquitous quality. It became the thing that everybody had because they were first in the marketplace. 
So <clears throat> it's it's that's the number one immutable law of marketing. I mean, you can be you, you can't be first like Xerox with copiers, right? People stand in front of a Rico copier and ask for a Xerox copy, right? Kleenex mm-hmm. is the first brand of facial tissue. Gore-Tex, Jello, fiberglass, Saran wrap, Scotch tape. These these are these are um, if you can't be first in a category, then you can be first in a subcategory, which is why we know Amelia Earhart. Mm-hmm. Subcategory, not the first person across the Atlantic, but the first woman to do it. Oh, that's different, right? Yeah. Chrysler, uh, for instance, and we're just talking about brands here, right? Chrysler has just ten percent mm-hmm. of the auto market, so they're hmm. way behind Ford and Chevrolet, mm-hmm. but they own fifty percent of the minivan market. Sadly, um, I, I got a I got a Chrysler minivan in my garage <laughs> well, you, right now. You got a neat one. You got a need for you got a need for one. But they we, went, we we call it Big Red, and Ruby Jean calls it Big and Red. Are we going to take Big and Red? Big. It's our. It's my mid. It's my midlife Chrysler. <laughs> Your midlife Chrysler. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. Can we please change the subject now? <laughs> <laughs> well, here's my point. They were the first one to come out with a minivan. They created a product that nobody ever had before. They created a a, a subcategory, and they 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 were the ones that were into that. So, um, you know, you, I, I can hear some of you right now. We're talking about Chrysler. We're talking about Xerox copies, and you're like, "What does this have to do with me as an artist?" Answer mm-hmm. is everything. This is called the law of category. What is your artistic lane or category? What are you doing differently to make yourself identifiable? Hello? You know, that is not, not, not. These are design questions. These are questions that you need to ask yourself. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, you know, we talked about Taylor Swift already for the first, uh, you know, first one to really um, talk to 9 to 14 year olds. Kiss was the first rock, rock group to make makeup famous and provide mm-hmm. this bombastic live show. Kiss, Kiss's first three records bombed. Mm-hmm. They did them in one year. Almost broke Casablanca records. Almost broke the record level. But because their makeup and their live show was so huge, that was floating the band and kept them going. Interesting. You know, Motley Crue was the first in the market, uh, the new market with that sort of 80s glam metal sound. They sort of added to what David Bowie did with glam and made it harder edge. So they took something a step further, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and when I say first in the market, I also mean, and this is an important distinction, first in the market's awareness. They were first mm-hmm. in the mind of the consumer, you know, maybe there was a hundred Motley Crews before Motley Crew, but they didn't do a good enough job of getting the word out. Right. And so, according to the rest of the world, Motley Crew was the first. Just ask well, them. Kinda, they'll tell you. Yeah, kind of like, uh, I guess, what people, some people knock against Elvis. He took black music yep. and just took it to the white audience. He, he covered songs, you know, Hound Dog, yep. watered it down and presented it up to a white audience. And so he, you know, some of those songs were then the first in the minds of those consumers then, and he was doing something that he didn't invent. Yeah. That's, you know, some people say, no, he just took what was already there, but he was a white dude when singing at the county fair. Beautiful. Yeah. Pretty face. Mm-hmm. Had the hips, like crazy hips and stuff, and, and, and brought yeah. that whole, uh, there was a level of, um, danger to him right oh, i mean yeah. they, when they you know back in the film mean, this sounds ridiculous now considering the videos that are out but in the 50s when he was on tv they wouldn't shoot him from the waist down because they thought it was too suggestive mm-hmm. 
So, uh, I mean, and the girls would just go bananas because they didn't care. They saw it live and it was like, holy crap, like that is amazing. So, you know, there's lots of different ways that you can sort of craft your lane, right? And, and understand this, marketing <clears throat> is a mental game. So the products, to a degree, don't matter. They matter, mm-hmm. but it, 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 you have to understand the mental part of the game it, it, because, it, you, again, you can have the best product in the world, but if you're not marketing and playing the mental game, then does the product matter? No. Mm-hmm. Does anybody care? You know, um, you know, all of us at one point or another listen to this podcast have uploaded a song to iTunes. Well, if you haven't done anything to market it, how does it matter? Did it matter for your pocketbook? <laughs> Did it, is it, no. is it, does anybody download it? Does anybody care? No. You know, so, so you understand what I'm saying here. So it's better to be first than to be better. And um, if we talked, we talked about the Beatles with with what Brian Epstein did for them and because he, he cleaned them up and he put them in those ties and, he, and they were adorable when they bowed after every single song. He sort of packaged them to be this, this group of, um, uh, this British rock group that the girls could take home to mom kind of a thing, right? Mm-hmm. They were clean cut kids, but with, but with rock star hair. But then Andrew Lou Goldham, who was Brian Epstein's assistant, Okay, with Mm -hmm. the Beatles, learned everything that Brian Epstein did with the Beatles and then applied that to this other group that came out around the same time the Beatles came out. You might have heard of them, the Rolling Stones. And so, again, here he is, intelligent design, not by default. He didn't have the Rolling Stones. God, these guys are great. Why doesn't anybody understand who they are? Like, they should, the world should come to us. That's not the way that he approached it. <clears throat> and this is the Rolling Stones. They were freaking compelling. Don't, you know, there's, there's nobody that can deny that they're not, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but he also knew that he couldn't turn, he couldn't market them like the Beatles. Yeah. So we already had one of those. Right? So mm-hmm. they had to be the anti-Beatles, right? So he's, <laughs> he's saying, okay, so I'm going to let your hair grow out, let it, you know... I, you, I want you to wear leather. I want you to, you know, dress this way. And you guys, you're dangerous. The Beatles are clean cut. You can take them home to mom, but you're the secret that the girls have to keep under their pillow or under their bed, right? A picture of you guys can't, mom and dad can't see that because they might freak out and throw you into a, a private school mm-hmm. or something, you know? Um, <clears throat> so they, the Rolling Stones, when they came out, they, they looked different than the Beatles by design. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to talk about. Like, what is your like? What is your thought process that you're putting into this? So, if marketing was objectively product based, like we all want to believe, like if it was based on the product, there would be no sucky music. <laughs> no artists would be famous unless they were super talented. But I mean, look at Jennifer Lopez is on you know one of the last judges of American Idol. Paula Abdul, one of the first judges of American Idol. Neither one of them could ever win that contest. Yeah. They found other ways, right? Yep. And they knew how to market. Um, and, and, and that's not an indictment of their talent. I mean, you know, Jennifer Lopez is a dancer first. No big surprise. Guess what? So is Paula Abdul. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that's never been the case. You know, being uh, whoever markets better wins. Being the first in the market is important only to the extent that it allows you to be first in the mind 
of the consumer. So it's important in the music industry that you know, many really talented artists have been signed for the sole purpose of being shelved to keep them off the market so that they don't compete with the label's priority. You know a couple of people like that, Brent? Well, I'm just going to say that's the reason people need to listen to your last episode about controlling your own destiny. It's not going to happen to you. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's right. If you're, if, you're, if you're just joining the podcast for the first time and working your way backwards, that's, the, that's two episodes prior. Exactly. But, uh, you know, it, it, this, is, this is good to know. There's a lot of artists who get signed for that very reason. They get wooed. Oh, my God, you're amazing. We can't wait to get our hands all over you. We're going to make you into a big star. They get the whole pitch. They feel like a million bucks. And the only reason the label signing them is to make sure they don't end up on the air because they're conflicting with an artist that they already have. You know, that's cold. That's um, cold. It's cold, but it's business. You know, and, and and guess what? You don't have to sign it. You better know. Mm-hmm. You better know your game. You better bring your A game. So mm-hmm. uh, you know, this is good to know if you're looking at a at a record deal. Why are they signing you? Better know all the artists on the label roster, right? Because uh, you mm-hmm. want to make sure that the because I promise you the courtship feels exactly the same for everybody, mm-hmm. right? They're going to woo you the same way. It's only the outcome that's going to change. Um, <clears throat> You know, the, the MITS Alt-Air 8800 was the first personal computer, believe it or not. Came out in 1974. Completely tragic name, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah. I couldn't um, even say it back to you right now. And, and, and uh, two years later, the Apple II came out in 1976. Hmm. MTS Alt-Air 8800 versus the Apple II. Who, There's only one of them I'm qualified to ask for. That's right. At the and, store. and so here's the point. Apple had a better name and had better marketing. And so even though they came out two years after the Altair, the MITS Altair 8800, they were first in the mind of the consumer. And mm-hmm. we all, and y'all got smartphones now, you know? So marketing is a battle of perception, not products. So the mind takes precedence over the marketplace. It's, it's one thing to be an amazing artist, but it's another thing to be in the mind of the consumer, right? And this is called the law of the mind in that book, okay? Everybody lives within their own perception. Their reality is their perception. You've got to understand this. You've got to think like this. So think about this in terms of politics or religion or your bandmates' opinions on the best artists or the best equipment, right? How about, you know, emotionally and sexually abused people? Their perception is that they don't think they're worth anything because that's what they're being told and that then becomes the reality, doesn't it? Hmm. Right? Um, So it doesn't matter... uh, you know, it re- the reality doesn't matter as much as perception, but in today's music business, the perception had better be based on authenticity, you know, so it mm-hmm. better be real. And I don't mean to make that sound confusing, but it's true. You've got to be real and you've got to be genuine or the market's going to see through you. So, um, you know, hype, hype won't make perception a reality um, until your audience perceives you to be real. You're a fantasy. You're, until your audience is aware of you, you're the alt air. 8800, the MITS. Right. <laughs> and some dude with half your talent who's got Apple II is going to eat your lunch. Right. Yeah. You know, it's simple. I get that. Yeah. One thing I think about, you know, finding your lane as, as an artist, you know, I think about Kenny Chesney. Mm-hmm. And he was, you know, he's rocking along. He was having some hits, you know, every now and again and stuff. But he was still kind of a mid card kind of guy. Uh-huh. And then he, Got his feet on the white sand of a beach somewhere. I was like, oh, I like this. I think I'll sing about this. And you can see as he kind of transitioned through, you know, songs like uh, 
uh, how forever feels and some of this stuff where he started bringing more of the beach into what he did. Right. You know, where that became kind of his shtick. That became his thing. He would like do beach songs and stuff that kind of hit the nostalgia button. And yep. that became his lane that no one else was in. And he became like the country Jimmy Buffett, you know, different from Jimmy, but he had his own flavor to it. And, and that's really and, when his career took off. And by the way, okay, so take that a step further. Different from Jimmy, but Jimmy Buffett doesn't sing country music, does he? Yep. Jimmy wasn't getting played on country radio. So there wasn't a jump. There wasn't a Jimmy Buffett in country music. So that lane was unoccupied. <laughs> right. Exactly. You're definitely on the radio, but it gave the people that like Jimmy Buffett somewhere else to go as well. Yep. You know, it was like, ooh, I like Jimmy and oh, I like some of this this country guy. Yep. As well. But yeah, it, it opened up that lane and now maybe he's not doing as much of that stuff and you see some people like Jake Owen doing a little bit more of that stuff, going to the beach more. He, you know, Jake's a Florida boy, so he comes by it honest and mm-hmm. you know, some of that stuff when they you know, ever you know, most artists seem to like do like a beach song here or there, but you know, guys that kinda of have it as part of their brand, you can see that's a way to kind of differentiate. Or, you know, the blue eyed soul singer or you know, the honky tonk guy. You know, they kinda of have their their thing they do. Aaron Tippin, I think about him a lot as an example of that, because he was like very much like working man, blue collar, you know, worked on his he never skipped arm day, you know, yep. so he's always in the white wife beaters and most of his, you know, videos showing with off the guns. guns. Out, yeah. <laughs> with the guns out, sun's out, guns out. And that was his thing, like working you know, working man's PhD, I got it honest. You know, these songs that spoke to that very blue collar hardworking middle class you know guy there you go and so he's creating that lane and creating that brand and then doesn't that give you more clarity on what songs you're going to choose or what songs you're going to write this is for the lunch pail crowd the guys that are lugging their lunch to the construction site these are my guys yep you work for a union you love Aaron Tippin exactly here's your union card and your Aaron Tippin CD. So do you see what we're saying here, guys? Like falling into the 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 often inaccurate, by the way, assumption that you have more talent, therefore you deserve success, is killing you. You're mm-hmm. a ghost in the market. The artist who wins will be the artist who infiltrates the consumer's mind first, talented or not. They're going if they're in the mind, they're going to win. The artist who stands out, who is the most unique in, in the new music business, and so therefore. Uh, you know, the artists who lack on, on a body of work simply won't have authentic, authentic art. <clears throat> the, the more work that you do as an artist to close the gap between your taste and your authenticity, the more authentic your art becomes. And, and therefore, you, you're going be, to craft that fingerprint, that artistic fingerprint, that brand of yours. And this is why covers are important. I keep bringing it up, but cut the crap. You're not going to be misconstrued as a cover artist. We don't think of Carrie Underwood as a cover artist, but that's how she mm-hmm. came into your awareness. We don't think of Led Zeppelin as a cover artist, but guess what? Their first record was all covers. We don't think of the Stones. Their first two records were covers. Beatles, their first record was a cover. So cut the crap. You know, hmm. use that. Use that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the right. The reality is right now you're not being seen by anybody in the as any kind of an artist in the industry, right? So, mm-hmm. so, so, so make that work. And until you put in that work and that cover work, you're not gonna. You're not gonna. Um, you're not gonna get in the minds of any consumers and. And it's not about your music right now. It's about what people think about your music. Okay, so th- there's an important distinction. And I'll tell you why it's different. So, like if objectivity on a product were the determining factor in marketing, 
right, whether it was a better product or not, then all products would perform equally throughout the globe. Mm -hmm. So in America, for instance, the top three Japanese auto imports are Honda, Toyota, and Nissan in that order. Mm -hmm. Now, if people purchase based on the objectivity of a product, like the design is better, the functionality, the styling, all this, then the same ranking would exist in Japan. But it doesn't, mm -hmm. because the Japanese think about these brands differently than we do. Mm -hmm. Japan's top three selling auto brands are Toyota, Nissan, and then Honda. Huh. Honda comes in third because the Japanese think of Honda as a motorcycle company first, not a car company. And you, you may think, well, that's weird, but it's like, okay, well, think about this. How, how excited would you be to buy a Harley-Davidson car? All right. We think of Harley-Davidson as a motorcycle company. Mm -hmm. That's what we think about them, right? So it's not as much about the music, it is what people think about the music, you know? And so we're talking about, for instance, going back to Kenny Chesney, right? He started mm -hmm. bringing that Jimmy Buffett thing. Well, when they think about Kenny Chesney, they think about the beach. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You yeah, know, they and they think about a party and they think about rum drinks and they think about swimming with swimsuits and tans and, and guns and, 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 and boats. If, if you don't give your audience something to think about when they think about your music, they'll just think about something else. There you go. I mean, how about this? In, in, in America, number one soup, Campbell's soup. In mm -hmm. England, number one soup is Heinz. You know, they drink ketch the ketchup soup. <laughs> See, we, most people don't even know that Heinz makes soup, but they're huge no. in England. So uh, yeah, it's, so it's songwriter soup. You, you <laughs> squirt ketchup and you mix in a little water, and there's your tomato soup. And, and that's, that's how you eat. That's how you right eat there. when you <laughs> songwriter soup. So listen, guys, we want you to win. The question is, what are you going to do to get yourself in the mind of the consumer and in the mind of new people? You're only going to win by penet penetrating the mind of the consumer. And if, if you don't know how to do it, you got to get someone to do it for you. If you can't afford to get somebody to do it for you, then get an education and learn. But understand how to do it. Understand how to approach it and ask the right questions, you know? And that's, that's all I got to say about that. Find your lane, right? There we go. All right, guys. Well, we went a little bit long on this, so I'm going to wrap it up real quick. Um, once again, uh, if you're you know if you're new to the podcast, you you can get on uh, you can get a, a free my best selling Twitter book for for free at, at giftfromjohnny dot uh, com giftfromjohnny.com, j o h n n y. It's a tour through the app, and it just t teaches you how to use Twitter as a marketing tool and gain a thousand new followers. And it's the same code for Instagram, by the way. And I also want to let you know that if you you know if this kind of stuff, this show kind of got you thinking and asking the right questions, but you're not sure how to apply it to your specific situation, I'm available to you for consulting. We do charge for that, but get in touch with me at info at daredevilproduction.com. Uh, again, there's no S, it's a singular, info at daredevilproduction.com. And we will, um, and we can make arrangements and you'd be amazed at what we could accomplish in less than two hours. But I'll look at all your social media platforms, YouTube, website, web store, if you even have one, and, and start to craft a strategy for you and start to help you guide you in the right direction as if you were my artist and what we can do to help you create that lane okay so again uh share this stuff if you like it this podcast exists because we want you to we want to provide some motivational inspirational and educational content for you so leave us a rating and review tell your friends about it and keep on climbing and we'll see you at the top
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.